Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 7th of 2018. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welch for HockeyHeads.com. And we have Real Hockey. It is Sunday here. And it's opening week. We've got some things that have happened. Uh, Now that we're done with our divisional previews, we kind of got a little bit of freedom on where we can go. And we were thinking, we really haven't done much on the Penguins in, in quite some time because the off season was what it was. Um, but they've played some games, so we, we got some thoughts on that, and that's probably where we're going to start right now. The Penguins aren't going to make the playoffs. They're terrible. They- Matt Murray's a joke, and Jack Johnson was one of the greatest signings of all time. I think I covered it. I think he got one of them right. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? The goalie one. He doesn't really suck, does he? I don't know. <laughs> no, he's he he hasn't played well this year. I think that's about as far as I can go with anything. So it's it's one of those things where um, I started driving my nuts, my wife nuts with this talking about Matt Murray, and the question is: Is last year the real Matt Murray? Ignoring the injuries, ignoring the, the stuff outside of hockey that would have sucked, and he's human, so it's going to affect the way he plays. Is that the real Matt Murray? Or is the one that came in and was never flustered and was just, you know, a very good above-average goalie, which which one have you got? And I suppose Pittsburgh are going to find out this year. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I suppose I could give the lame answer somewhere in the middle. That's what no. That's the hope. The hope is somewhere in the middle, as far as I'm concerned. I think his AHL numbers were spectacular over season and a half or so. His NHL numbers coming out of that were great. Yeah, played his best hockey in the pressure cooker of the playoffs. Well, in the first cup run, or even the second cup run, he. he once he get wasn't hurt and took back over for Flurry, he was pretty good in that too. I guess it was well the hard, the hard part in that taking over for Flurry was one he was taking over for Flurry, and if he stumbled they were screwed. So there's even more pressure on that because of who he was taking over for, the point in the playoffs upon which he took over. So it's not like he can't handle the pressure. That's not the argument with him. I think as a hockey player. No. Um... And it's two games. I mean, what, what are we supposed yeah, no. to do with any of it? <laughs> That's the bit that I really like about this. You go through Twitter, and there are so many people making definitive statements of this team sucks, or Matt Murray sucks, or Daniel Sprong's a bust. Like, those sorts of statements. And I'm like, we're two games in. This team, you know, only went half pace through the preseason, which you totally expect for teams that are in their situation. They haven't got many players trying to prove where they're at. Um, I think the concerning part for Pittsburgh is how they've lost the games because it feels like they forget that there is another part of the hockey rink that they need to play in. But um, those sorts of things are correctable. You'd be worried if they were doing everything right and still losing. Um, And they've managed to get two points out of two games in two games that they probably should have lost. Yeah, they definitely could have uh, 
lost the Capitals game for sure. They were down uh, a few times in that, were they not? Yeah, they were also up two and should never have let it get to overtime and give the Capitals back a point. <laughs> that was a fun game, though. I have no problems was... <laughs> there. Hey, entertainment-wise, give me that every every day of the week. <clears throat> but uh, back to, to to the Matt Murray stuff. He, he didn't have a good year last year. It was, it's predictable that if he does not, if he had a few bad games, that, you know, he's going to hear about it, or you're going to read about it at least, because yeah. that's just how it goes. That's the position. Uh, but he does need to play better, because I know some of these have been high-danger shots from pretty crummy breakdowns in front of him. Yeah. But he won a Stanley Cup with that. <laughs> that that second Stanley Cup run, they, they were not good defensively at no, all. They were bleeding. Yeah, they were bleeding high quality chances in that second run. So you know, it doesn't appear like things are going to dramatically change on that front either. They're built to be offensive, and that's fine. It is. I think what worries me is how they try to be offensive. I think it's the thing that annoys me with with Sullivan, and I don't blame a coach who's won two cups in coaching two and a half years thinking like this, but when they got it together and everything clicked with the HBK line, it was literally lob pass, let everyone skate onto it, and off they go. So the idea was to exit the zone quickly, uh, even when you don't have you know, a great exit pass because you didn't need a great exit pass. You just lobbed the puck out of the zone. The thing that was noticeable in the Washington game was, <clears throat> excuse me, the wingers weren't getting very deep. In fact, the center wasn't getting very deep and they were trying to get out of the zone quickly. But those passing lanes are getting cut off. They're not lobbing it as much, but they are still trying to go for that that first breakout pass being a long one. And this team is a highly skilled team. I would be much more confident with them going one, two, three, tic-tac-toe in triangles around the place and then exiting the zone, skating it out because they are a quick skating team as well. So I'll be curious to see whether the the forwards get lower in the zone until they sort out their exits because they're turning it over at the wrong side of the blue line at the moment and that's not going to be fun for Murray. Well... And especially <clears throat> considering they've gone all in with employing defensemen that they're supposed to, like, first pass is the thing. I mean, that is pretty much Jack Johnson's only redeeming quality when you sift through all the information about him is that he, some you know, his strength would be that outlet pass. Yeah, but the, you can't throw a 30-foot no, no. pass if the lane's not there. I agree. Um, I I think I tend to agree with what you're saying about getting the other guys down lower. Um, where there's, you know, less time and less of an area, but if that's your thing, you got to make sure you're able to, to put it in those spots because once the forwards turn it up with a little bit of space and then... Uh, keep kicking it to the outside with speed, then then you're putting pressure on the other team to probably back in because of the speed, and you'll get a zone entry. <clears throat> and a lot of yeah, Pittsburgh absolutely. forwards 
are great at manipulating that time and space. If the guy gives them the entry but is backing off, they'll cut to the middle. If the guy's um, backing off just a little bit to get into the zone but is uh, kind of standing their ground a little, uh, they're pretty good at doing the baby chips by kind of the indirect passes to themselves. So The Chris Kunitz special? Yeah, stuff. Um, just simple little plays that are very effective when you can get speed through the neutral zone. Um, I, I won't quite say it looks like the flat-footed stretch pass of the Dan Bilesma later years, but... No, no, it doesn't look like that. What it, what I think they do need to go back to that I thought Bilesma set up very well for them was when they did have the puck behind the net, they set up the little bump pass to get out of the zone quite well. It did force all the centers to come down really low, but they could get the puck to the boards and then they would bump it to the defenseman coming through. Now, admittedly, you had Gonchar, a very young Chris Letang. So this is back early in what Bilesman was doing. Um, which enabled them to do those little chip passes. And when you've got high-quality centers doing that, you can trust them to do it. Now, they've got, I would class Sheen as a high-quality fourth-line center. I'd suggest all four centers could do that in their skill sets. I don't know why they're not trying to do that more often. Well, <clears throat> maybe they're not listening. <laughs> that, that is legitimately possible. Absolutely. I mean, it does not sound like Mike Sullivan is all that thrilled with how they're playing. No, which gives you a little bit of hope that they're not listening because I felt like they tried to play like this last year and then they moved away from it. So maybe that it, it's the exact same thing. They're trying to see whether this works early. If it doesn't, they might go back to stuff that's worked previously in the past, but... Um, at least he's not happy, meaning hopefully they're not executing, which isn't a coaching thing. It's a players being players thing. I thought throughout the preseason and the Washington game, the third line looked pretty good with Simon, Broussard, Rust. Yeah, that looks like it'll produce some points. I get a little bit of luck at it occasionally struggled a little bit last night against montreal I, I think they got pretty well hemmed in from what i was looking at on micah's uh chart thingy felt like the whole roster did though as well. yeah it was really only uh sid's line and letang and dumoulin that found any kind of traction whatsoever move and play they just did a really terrible job against what I don't consider a very good team. Yeah, but they've played very well against two teams that should absolutely spank them. They're going to do it all on hard work, and at, at some point in the year, that hard work is going to wear them down, and they'll start losing games. It's that time of the year. All teams that are, are less skilled are fresh. So hard work and, and doing everything right is, is going to win your games right now. Their goalie's okay. Yeah, if he's Carey Price, it's Carey Price. He's going to screw him up for getting a high draft pick. Right? Yeah, that's the negative of it. The Corey Schneider problem. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that exact same problem. Because that's, that's the thing. Like, they're going to be... If Price plays like he has in their first couple of games for the whole year, they'll be fringe playoff team. Yeah, and, they'll be with Florida and Buffalo for that <clears throat> other spot. Yeah, and I think that that's just dangerous for, for Montreal because they'll think that everything they've done justifies what they've got. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't have the top-end talent. I don't think Price can win... 16 games out of out of 24 to 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 win a cup when you get to that level of hockey. So that's that's the negative of that. What um what do you think of the defense pairings? Uh, you can't have Johnson and Marta together. Just if they if the team turns the puck over, their inability to change direction quickly and recover burns them. I mean, you can go nuts at Chris Letang for the amount of turnovers he creates, um, but he can at least recover and make things difficult. Um, and I'll always take Letang playing the way he played in the first two games over them trying to control what he does because the benefits outweigh the negatives. He might be on the ice for... Um, he might be a minus at the end of this year, but um, the stuff he creates will outweigh that as far as I'm concerned. And um, none of us take plus minus particularly seriously anymore. Um, I just don't like that bottom pairing. Uh, I think you'll find that the improvement that they're expecting out of Oli Marta will vanish. Johnson will end up playing with Alexiak and Alexiak will get dragged down. And the only pairing you can trust at the moment, the way they're set up, well, actually, the, the Schultz-Alexiak pairing is fine. i got no problems with that. The bottom pairing is going to screw up the way they have to set them up. I don't know if you agree, but that's the way I feel. I don't think they're the bottom pairing. Well, that's even worse. <clears throat> I think Jack Johnson's second in minutes. They have no... He's not an expensive depth player in their... In their mind. ...estimation. He's a cheap core defenseman. At least the early returns of how they're using them. Uh, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yep. I just, it's, you should, I shouldn't be getting there and making um, overarching statements this early in the year, right? But they're just, he's hard to watch as a hockey player. And I can't see, I just can't see value in him being there. And it's going to take an injury for Rickola to get into the lineup. And it'll be like Verona last year, like I said in the last podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> that first goal by Montreal was just, uh, yeah. as. <laughs> Jack not looking so hot on that one, but no. he wasn't alone that night. They uh, they really screwed their goalie over, and their goalie didn't come up with any saves really. No, he didn't. He didn't bail them out, which can be problematic at times. So they're going to need they're going to need that out of him, basically. 
So, okay. <clears throat> excuse me. Like I said, it's too hard to, you know, throw out massive decisions at the moment and all those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, I don't like the way this team's being put out on the ice. Sprong's looked all right in the 25 seconds of ice time that he's been given. He's got two points. I know. And um, that top power play unit is going to get its goals, but that second power play unit looks like it's not a bad second option this year. Oh, no, not at all. Um, the uh, Having Sprong out there with Gensel, Schultz, or Latang are going to be on that second unit. Which is pretty good. Who's the other forward that I can't... Oh, Broussard. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. <clears throat> Excuse me. One thing I think Sprong needs to learn is if he's going to play in that that spot in the slot, he needs to sit on top of the crease and learn, with his back to the goal and learn how to curl out, turn and shoot all in one go without having to stop the puck and shoot. Because he's got a really quick release. So those little triangle passes that they'll run with from, you know, with Gensel behind the net, out to Brassard and across, if he can if he can sort that out, um, he doesn't even have to score from there. He's just going to create havoc in, in that situation. So um, I, can, I can see a lot of potential with Sprong. He just needs to get the minutes. Yeah, for right now, though, he's, he's, looking, he's looking at fourth line minutes. I don't see yeah, yeah. where he's going to break through. Nope, neither do I. Which, you know, I'm fine with. There's just no value in the AHL for him. So we are way past the point of, well, it's better for him to play down there than minimal. No, he needs, he needs to be in the NHL. And, you know, possession-wise, that line has been great through two games. But... The fourth line last year wasn't great possession-wise, like, ever. And at least this fourth line has the ability to make up for, uh, if they do continue to play in their own end more often, uh, they're able to score on rushes and, and do some other things. Yeah, I, it's, the talent's there up and down the lineup. You, you just sit there and, and are waiting to see if they change the way they play at the moment. Like I said, I've got to make sure I don't jump out and make these definitive statements on two games. It would be crazy. I'll have to wait till the end of the month and they've played, you know, 10 or 11 games. Yeah, it's almost easy to do the previews than the week one of the season kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean... it. Because it, literally anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, we go around the league, you've got a few injuries for teams that are, you know, really probably going to screw them around a little bit. That's sort of a little easier to discuss than um, than two games of a roster, isn't it? Yeah. Well, where do you want to head? Um, I don't know. After having said that, it sucks that Lorongo got hurt. I know that much. Yeah, I did see that this morning. He's getting up there too. It's to the point where um, it's uh, no guarantee that he he makes it back, depending on the injury. 
Well, not only that, there's no guarantee that when he makes it back, he'll survive again. It just seems as though he's only going to get 35 games of the most out of him. And you usually get a pretty good 35 games, but you've got to have him on the ice a little more often. Like, Florida have got Joe Drama for a reason, and I have no problem with him being in there, but you'd obviously prefer to have Lou than Rama. Um, yeah, if Luongo was healthy, for sure. We'll see. What is it, a knee? I think so. I think his own teammate fell on him, wasn't it? Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, like, I, I don't think, I think he might have got, you know, it's a situation where it's a scramble around the net, and I think he got bumped and kaplunk. There he goes. Um, so, Edmonton after one game, they're toast, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she really it's all his fault absolutely nah it's this, all, the, I saw McDavid blow first... by those guys and then dish for a goal that was pretty nice and that's that feels like that's what it's gonna be I don't think Sid had it quite this hard no no he even though they were really crappy his first year from a team standpoint. He still had, like, Mark Recchi was still halfway decent. Ziggy Palfi was, was right, a point he? per game before he pieced out. <laughs> Ziggy! <laughs> he was pretty good that year. And then he's like, uh, nah, I'm good. Adios. Yeah, I've, had, <clears throat> I've had enough, thank you. But even, um,. Yeah, Connor's got it rough. And to make matters worse, on opening night, I saw Rogers sports commercial because I had the, I think the TSN feed for the Leafs game. And there's a commercial with uh, McDavid and Taylor Hall on the couch. And I'm just like, Jesus. Yeah, they should be together. They were, but they had their different NHL jackets on. (laughs) (laughs) It's brutal. I know, that division's going to be a mess. Uh, everybody's loved what uh, Carlson's done in San Jose so far, though. So I'm really hoping that actually works. Well, it's not going to be Carlson's fault if it doesn't work, based on history. Yeah, that's a good point. It is It is weird, though. Like, you, you look at uh, Edmonton, you know, they traded for their goalie. A lot rests on him. Same in San Jose. Gibson could make a, uh, a a very average Anaheim team playoff capable. Well, I forgot. I forgot how much St. Louis put into their team this year. Jake Allen is going to tank that team. I reckon. They just won't get off the Allen train, will they? No, and I mean we mentioned it in the previews, but yeah, I when I went back and. You know, the games come on, you kind of, when you do the previews, you, you focus on the division and you have to forget about it because you're looking at the rest of the, you know, the next division moving forward. Then when the games start again, you're like, oh yeah, they've got this guy and they've got this guy. So like, what is going on in St. Louis? Well, if I was looking at um, some of the goalie stuff this morning, I think Matt Murray has the worst save percentage in the league right now. And I'm pretty sure Jake Allen's right there next to him. Yeah, 
Look, I know it's it's the thing. Uh, you sit there with these, and and I have to teach myself that goals against isn't the curse, the the marker that you want to use to get your goalies. It's five v five save percentage, um, and not having a power play, a penalty kill save percentage that is tanked out the ass. So you you just, you have to wait. You have to wait for those numbers to to pan out. And you know, I'll probably say the exact same thing next podcast. Still don't have a large enough. Uh, you know, buzzword sample size to, to start making any definitive thoughts on, on some of these teams. Like some teams have only played one game still. Yeah, as of this recording, yep. You know, I mean, I think I think they're all going to end up taking two games after this record, like the day of this recording, except for maybe Jersey and and Edmonton. Um, but yeah, everybody else will at least finally get to two. So we might have six games by the time we get to next week. I saw, well, we did the Pacific Division so long ago, but I saw that Corey Perry's out for quite a long time, pretty much half the season at least. That's not very good for them. They needed him to not only play, but bounce back and show signs of life. Yeah, be the Corey Perry that, that yeah, absolutely. But he seems to be breaking down which you know not a complete surprise given his style of play uh how old he was when he signed for that much term i think they only got three years left on those deals though time time's flown and that's probably going to time out our up for i mean getzlaff is aged better than perry but i thought i saw that getzlaff was hurt too not to that extent but Makes it tough. And Kessler's, it, it's the one th- you know... It's the one thing... Well, yeah. Got a broken hip. It's the problem with the NHL in general. Because everyone is, particularly in the top end, everyone's reasonably tight. You can't afford to have your best players out for length of time. Missing a week here or there through the seasons, you know, you're going to get by on that because your depth is good enough to slot up the lineup for a bit, but you obviously want them to slot back down, you know get back to the roster spot you're expecting to play in, you lose Perry for half the season. And even when he's not producing, they're still going to play it up in that top line. So everybody kind of slots where you expect them to slot. You lose Getzlaff, and you're pushing everybody up a slot. And if, you know, everybody says center's the most important skating position on the ice, that gets hard to fill the longer he's out. And Kessler's not really... Can't lean on him anymore. No. Can you think of another player in this sort of current era whose best was as as good as his, but and injuries have just not allowed him to get back to that? Kessler, you're talking? Yeah. Hmm. Off the top of my head, no. No, because he's sort of the poster boy for me, for, for that sort of situation. I don't think... Well... Joffrey Lupo was pretty good for a few years. Or well, maybe Mark Savard, but he got completely roasted and couldn't get back. It was more like Kessler's been able to sort of go in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah. And not have his career destroyed by a headshot, so... Lupo, I guess. Yeah, that's probably... Hey, have we actually discussed the 20-game actual suspension? Oh, shit, no. Suppose we probably should. 
<laughs> yeah, that dirtbag finally got an actual punishment. They're going to appeal it, and the NHLPA are going to appeal it for him, and I get why, but I still think it sucks that they I kind I kind of don't get why. He's he's done it that many times in a calendar year, and he's hurting other members of that same organization. And that's where I think there's a conflict of interest in them doing the doing the arbitration or the the um, the I don't want this suspension to count. I I just uh, I don't know. How do you handle that? Well, you do like they did, and you suspend him for 20 games and say, screw you. Yeah, I, I thought the 20 games was good, all things considered. I like the, f- I like the fact the fine was $1.2 million as well. Yeah, which... Was it? Was that accurate? Because... Five million of his money this year is a signing bonus, which can't be touched. It's off. It's off the cap hit, as far as I can tell. It's not his season salary. I'm pretty sure they got that number off the cap hit. So, well, then I don't know if that number's right. Hang on, let me find it. it I, I'm pretty sure they can't touch a signing bonus. Which would make sense. I, I fully understand that. So he might not be losing that much money. So at the end of the day, the punishment's probably like whatever to him. The suspension, nearly a quarter of NHL season, will cost him nearly $1.3 million in lost pay. That's at USA Today. So, yeah, that's... Eh, seen that in a few different spots. So, yeah, I... I don't know how they're calculating it because off the cap hit, that sounds right. But then, like you said, it should be salary because I don't, like you said, they can't touch the signing bonus. So, good luck trying to understand that decision. Yeah. I um, I do think the 20 games was totally deserved. Yeah. It could have been longer. Well, I could have given him 92 games. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that multiplier is not his friend. No, not at all. You know, headshot, shoulder, tucked. Primary point was the noggin. It was predatory. Puck was long gone. Contact was full. Multiplies 4.25. 90, 92, 92 games. $5.8 million. So it's, that's his whole year's worth of salary. And some. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, that's what it should be. Because there's no... Six suspendable plays in a year. Yeah. he's The, the only way players reform is through the hip pocket and the loss of games. And, I mean, he even came out in the off-season and said, yeah, I've got to change the way I play, I've got to be more careful, all this sort of garbage. Last preseason game of the year, and, you know, primary point of contact was the head. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, the most biased Washington fan needs to wake up to the fact 
that he either needs to change the way he plays or he gets turfed. Yeah. I don't know. Because if he if he does something like that again this year when he gets back, he shouldn't play again for the rest of the year in the playoffs. That's simple. Because that'll be his seventh inside of twelve months. Yeah, they mentioned how that it was um unprecedented. Yeah. I think they used that word deliberately so they could slap him down for because he was six games to twenty is a big jump. So they have to word it particular ways to make sure that they can go, look, there isn't a precedent for this. We can't compare this to anything else. This is what we're going to do. I thought Sean Gentili of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette said it best. I'd feel pretty stupid if I paid more than $1 million to hit an irrelevant player in an irrelevant game. That's not bad. Not bad. I mean, it's not Emerson Edom, Emerson Poopum's level tweet from him but you know they can't all be that good <laughs> no no i mean it's a perfect tweet for the situation because it really highlights what a dumbass he is yeah I it's the did. last preseason game you like everybody is just trying to get through it to get to the regular season and you're out there popping people blindside in the head I think what's even worse for me is the amount of ex-players in the media who played in a completely different era who are saying Sunquist has some fault here for cutting with his head down in the middle of the ice. Now, he wasn't watching the puck. He was making, he was taking a shot. And you can't hit somebody in the head illegally, no matter where their head is. It's just the way it works. So I don't... Why do we want it's to be in a league where you have to totally protect yourself from that kind of hit? Because there's no point. How are you supposed to make a play? You want to be in the middle of the ice to make a play. You want to be in the middle of the ice so you can create something. Yet, we're going to get there and, and defend the person who doesn't have the puck and is going to try and separate the player from the puck illegally. And Wilson wasn't trying to separate him from the puck because that puck was long gone. And who doesn't want to see more plays made anyways? I don't need to see that violent hit anymore. It, it, it's not appealing anymore because we know what it does to the people's brains. I, yeah, I think that's the... It's funny, that era of player has people in that lawsuit against the NHL. And they're saying, we still want this to occur. And they've got people with scrambled brains that are going to end up later in life with some serious conditions because of the volume of headshots they took, yet they're still asking for that stuff to stay in the game. The hypocrisy amongst that is frustrating. Yeah. Well, the the newer generations are better about that kind of stuff. Well, to agree with somebody that I find very frustrating, Jeff Merrick made a very good point. Connor McDavid's generation of NHL player is the first lot of players that have come in who have only really seen this new subset of rules that we've got. Yeah, that's what that's, I mean. Yeah, that's all they know. They, they haven't been a part of the process prior to the lockouts and all that sort of stuff. So um, 
it will change. It, it will eventually end up out of the league. You know, Wilson is pretty much... You got any other snipers floating around? Pardon? You got any other snipers floating around? Like, I'm just sort of rolling through the lineups at the moment and I can't really see... Because Ryan Reeves isn't a sniper. He just punches people. As far as, like, good players that are dirty? Well, no, just as far as players that are dirty, that go out of their way to clock guys off. Marshawn. Yeah, you're right. He is dirty. It's, yeah. Also very good, but... He he did a pretty dirtbag thing, fighting Eller in the first night of the year when his team was getting buried. So yeah, the NHL's back. <laughs> Why do I feel like this podcast for you and me is going to be airing out NHL grievances for half the year until things settle down? <laughs> well, how about on a positive? I like watching yes. Toronto play. Yes, they are fun. And um, Austin Matthews is uh, worth his weight in gold for that franchise. His uh, his release on his snapshot is unreal. The accuracy, that first goal he scored on the power play, which, by the way, is on the first power play. Um, best coach in the world finally figured it out. Yeah, that's going to be an ongoing thing for the year, that one. So now we got three, like, super... Uh, stacked power plays in the league that I... Well, uh, four if you want to count San Jose. Pittsburgh, Washington, and Toronto. I mean, just littered with talent. I think they're all on that tier. Yeah, it's... um, I'll be interested to see whether anybody ends up with a 30% power play for the year. Pittsburgh got to 26 last year and was the leading... Was the league leading. So... Those is tough. It, it is. It's one every three. I mean, well, just about one every three. So if you can click at that kind of rate, you should be able to win games purely on your special team. I um, like the Toronto setup. They got Marner on that left side, Tavares and Matthews on the right. I believe Morgan Riley up top. Trying to think who was the fifth one out there. I don't think it was Marlowe. Do you reckon it'll end up being Nylander when he gets healthy? Or when he gets back, sorry, from his contract dispute? Could be. I don't know where... Would he play the left point and then Marner plays the left wing? Riley plays right point and then... Matthews and Tavares kind of do the Sid Gino thing on the other side? Maybe. I can't remember. Who Tell you what I like that they did a lot. They had a guy kind of in the high slot. And they were shooting for a lot of redirects and rebounds. So towards the top of the circles more so than below the hash marks? Kind of in that mid-range point. Yeah. Just to get, you know hard reactionary saves that the goalie's probably not going to control. 
and then you, you know. Then you just hack and whack. Maybe it was Marlowe, but him and, like, Tavares down low, those guys. Or Kadri. It is? Yeah, I think you're right. Anyways, like, does it matter? Those are all good options as the fifth guy. It's a valid point you make right there. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how many... um, They're going to score so many highlight real goals on that power play this year. A lot of tic-tac-toes and stuff like that. I'll be curious to see how many goals they score off those rebounds where they are literally just chop at it after the the tip and the the reactionary save where there's no control. They can get a lot of those sorts of goals. That that power play, it already is terrifying, but it will be just amazing. And give them the minutes. And stop screwing around with like the two even distributed thing that they did last year. And then you know, it deserves to be said that they had a, a one of the top five power plays in the league. Uh, but perhaps could have been better. I think Austin Matthews was like 150-something in the power play minutes among forwards. Yeah, they're... Um... Which isn't going to happen this year, so that's good. It's It's really weird. It's like when he was coaching Detroit, it didn't feel like he separated the talent as much as he has here in Toronto, but it almost feels like everything was established before he got there and he didn't really change anything. He sort of got onto this team early and um, he wanted to stamp his authority. Aren't you going to do it my way? It It's just, I don't think he's as good as they think. Babcock? Yeah. I think he's won as many playoff series as Dan Bilesma did the last however many years. And no offense to, well, not anybody could win a gold medal with the Canadian teams, particularly that really, really good U.S. team that silvered up. But it's, it's you know what I mean? Look at the talent you get to play with. And every player in that team is going to sacrifice a little bit of their own game because they're playing for their goddamn country. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't buy the best in the league talk about him, but, you know, fine enough coach. For sure. Oh yeah, not, yeah, 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 yeah. Not he's, saying he's bad. I just think it's a little overblown. Some of the kudos, maybe. And minute management is important, and putting players in positions to succeed is important. And if he decides to not split the power play this year and and, and stack it up, it shows that it's it's him going right. Last year was good. We can be better. Here's how we improve. So they can still come back with another line. After the power play. Yeah. Like we talked about, it's not like that second Pittsburgh power play is, oh no, can't have them finish off the last 15, 20 seconds and then play some, a little bit of even strength. Well, that second unit... Before you start to roll the lines back normal again. Yeah, I mean that first game, the second unit scored the first power play goal. So, you know, NHL teams have got enough talent and depth that if you do play five on four, at some point they are going to score. 
So that was my good, good NHL. Yeah, listen to me. Even though even though they haven't like played great, I still like seeing that talent work. And Tavares, uh, night one, getting that goal, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's you do get there and, and hope for storybook sports stories because you you watch sports for the fun of it and the enjoyment of it. Uh, so the more positive stories you can get, the better. Well, much else? I don't know. I'm looking through the little team logos here, and uh, I'm not seeing anything that sticks out like a sore thumb. No. I mean, Quick got injured as well. That's probably the only other thing team-wise that would be concerning for important players for a roster. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I got nothing. Hopefully next week will be... (laughs) (laughs) We'll have more games to talk about. Um, And we'll uh, we'll send tweets out for questions as well. The timing, Which, I think, I think this time of the week is going to start working a bit better. Even though daylight saving started here, which means an earlier start time for you, um, uh-huh. I think Sunday afternoon evening for you works. Yeah, for now, for the most part, <laughs> for now, it should. So, um, yeah. Well, I reckon we wrap this up so I can get to work. Alrighty. Um, We will see you next week. Catch you guys.